Hi, and welcome to episode 325 of No Crying in Baseball, the There's Likely to Be Carryover episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. That that makes sense. This is definitely a week that carryover makes a lot of sense yeah. at this point of the season, although it probably has to It's do meant with to be something. a little threatening, actually. Is it? Yes. Hey, so um, context for everybody. Um, we are recording on Sunday before the Games 6 start. We have watched both the American League and the National League Conference um, for Games 1 through 5. Mm-hmm. So Game 6 tonight and tomorrow. So that's how, that's what we know so far. Yeah, and, and they're super. it's super interesting at this point because after game two games, everybody was sort of ready to call it over. You know, like one team won the first two games of each. But, you know, as, as somebody who was a Red Sox fan in 2004 when they came back down 0-3, to three, which Derek Jeter brought up very humorously. Well, it was Big Poppy's reaction that was the humorous part. Um, you know, shit happens. It's baseball. Anybody could win at this point. Well, and then, you know, I'm looking at Houston and remembering yep. the Nationals right. winning the World Series when none, not one team won a home game right. in that series. And that's right. kind of weird. That's So which one is it? I, I need to think for a minute. Is it one of the, the series? So it's the, the D-backs and Phillies where they've only won at home at this point. And it's the other the the Texas. Well, the Phillies won last oh, night. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so, so that, that was the that. case for the first four games, okay. and then the Phillies broke it. Yeah, and yeah. then the other the other one was the other way around with Astros winning at. I guess Astros are good on the road. I don't know. Well, they're calling it like I don't know directions in Texas, but they're calling it Minute Maid North South. I don't know whatever it is. They're Minute Maid the other way. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> no, Minute for sure. The other way. So yeah. So speaking of North, um, you know, I've been joking with the Phillies being Nats North, so I'm wearing my. Phillies National League champion, uh, my, my Washington yeah. Nationals National League championship oh. T-shirt, hoping that inspires the Phils to lock this puppy down right. tomorrow. I'm just saying, I'm putting that out there in the world. And after we finish recording, we're going to be watching the Texas teams go at each other. So that'll be fun. And hoping they both lose. Oh, wait, yes. that doesn't work out. No, right? but the, we can. This way, we are always happy. Like we can just, you know, somebody's going to lose, and we can we can enjoy yeah. that. It'll be fun. Uh, I do have a corrections department. Our friend Anna sent in a correction that I, I actually like kicked myself over a couple of days after I said it because last week when I was talking about Evan Longoria being like the wise guy on the wise, not a wise guy, wise guy, but like wise man. Intelligent. He's actually a mobster. No, but yeah. <laughs> intelligent man on the team. Somebody with experience pointing out that he had been previously on Tampa that didn't have um, – much fan excitement no matter what level they went to and then a couple of days later there was an immaculate grid where I put him in for the Giants and I was like oh fuck I didn't mention that he was on the Giants which is you know a slightly more active fan base so Anna did uh, write us and we do appreciate all corrections saying that he was with the Giants for five years which is true I, I also then though of course to sort of defend myself a little bit went in and looked at his record on the Giants and he was on number one he was on the IL a lot yeah. So he, during those times, maybe he didn't experience the, you know, being at the plate and, and the fan support. And then also they didn't go to the playoffs. Yeah. And I think the, the point of what we've been talking, we were talking about was really having postseason experience. And that, yeah, I go. mean, part of it is like the, you know, the, the right. really riled up ballpark fan base. But right. other the other part of it was having postseason experience and being in that situation. So there we go. All right. So, yeah. So we'll, partial credit. Yeah. I do. The last thing I want to say about Longoria is that he was almost a baseball boyfriend pick. 
think actually when he was on the Giants to make this even more embarrassing. But um, he had, I it was found out through a police report when his, the rental place that he was renting with a couple other players in Florida, a bunch of, got robbed. And one of the things was missing was his AK-47. Oh. And I was like, you know, that's, that's, I would not have a boyfriend with an AK-47. So. Yeah, not someone I'd no. go out and have a beer with to talk about things we have in common. <laughs> right. Sure, sure. And you know what? I have gone back to our spreadsheet multiple times because I keep thinking that one of us yeah. had picked him in the past. So I keep double checking like, really? That's why. Really? And now that explains yep. all of that. AK-47. Yep. All right. I'm going to open this beer before you do on today's show. Yeah, what what are you drinking? Oh, right. Um, I, what am I drinking? I am drinking Black Flag. I don't even know where they're they're from. They're in Columbia, Maryland. Oh, thank you. I knew they were in Maryland. Um, Black Flag Flag a uh, flagship. I think it's an IPA, and I think it's good. I'm having a Southside IPA from Denison's Brewery because oh. today is the last day that they're they're very local to us, as opposed to their mostly local to us right. location is open. So we're going to miss you, and we'll have to travel to see you. You know, an extra ten minutes, yeah. but it's worth it because yay Denison's and yay Southside IPA. Absolutely. On today's show, the postseason, including we were right, calling dibs again, and Nats North. We've got upheaval at the top, including who wants to head the Red Sox? And where is Kim going? We've got baseball in Israel beyond the WBC. We've got police blotter, intentional or not. We've got a Venezuelan callback, mayhem in the DR, and Pitchcom, the voices in your head. Cheers. I don't need any more voices in my head. <laughs> it's it's yet, very busy in there, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Too much going on. Yet another good reason for me not to pitch But I think catch. you're mostly friends with all the voices in your head, which is good. Mostly. I mean, I think if people battle those, it's a whole different situation. Yeah. I think you're, you're some mostly friendly voices. <laughs> hey, so um, I'm calling dibs again. All right. I called dibs on, Get on, that uh, on, spreadsheet. on, on Evan Carter uh, last week or the week before. Uh, to pick a Rangers boyfriend for next year already. I said, this, this is a good way to preview mm-hmm. guys. Yes. And there's a lot of young guys who are, we're seeing for the first time. On the highest stage. or one On, of the, on the biggest stage. Right, we're right. second highest. Yeah, yeah, in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And so um, for the for Arizona, I think I'm going to go ahead and pick Alec Thomas. Nice pick. He, I, when we were watching the game yesterday, I told the Potty Mouth family that, you know, I think in high school I would have had a crush on him. <laughs> but then I thought, you know what? But also Alec Bohm I would have had a crush on. And they're completely different. But maybe I have an Alec thing. Oh. I mean, they don't look anything alike. Right. But I didn't know I had. I, didn't, I don't think I ever knew anybody named Alec in high school. So I can't explain it. But there's that. But that's not why I, I'm picking <laughs> okay. him. I'm picking him because his bat, man, he's hitting some home runs. Yeah. He had a pinch hit home run in game four, landed in the pool at Chase. He had a solo home run last night in game five. He's set a franchise record for postseason home runs at four. And here's where it gets really fun. So um, Gabrielle Moreno, who you are thinking about picking oh, for yeah. next year, has three. And Yay. then Corbin Carroll and um, Perdomo each have two. And that's so that totals 11 home runs, which ties a major league record set in 2015 by the Cubs for the most home runs in a postseason by players 23 years old or younger, or younger. And we're still not, I mean, we're not done with the postseason yet. Depending on how these guys do, they may have more chances to hit more home runs. But isn't that cool? These are the the kids. That's amazing. Kids today hitting out of the park. 23. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. All right, I'm going to segue to an older guy, but also like flashing back to last week a little bit. When we last spoke last week, I mentioned my current baseball boyfriend for the Phillies, who I'm super, super happy with, Kyle Schwaba. 
And he had not been doing well at this point last week. I said that he was four for 25 in the postseason without a home run. And I said, and go back and check the tape. That's not tape, is it? Go back and check the recording. And I said, he's due. And also last week, I pointed out that it was sort of suitable for him because the the previous year, he had only gotten one hit in the first two rounds and went on to hit three homers in the NLCS and ended up with the NLCS uh, uh, MVP. So clearly, NLCS is where he's at. He has now, at the time of recording, passed Reggie Jackson for the most all-time postseason home runs by lefty with 20. Most of those he got on the LC less, L- LCS level. That's the right order of those word, those letters. Yeah, 12 of them. Um, he did do an ALCS with the, with the Red Sox in 21, so there was that. Uh, he was the fastest ever, however, uh, not just lefties, lefties and righties, to get to 20 home runs in the postseason with 63 games under the belt, and he beat out Jose Altuve, who, had, who did 20 in 68 games, and kept on chugging, and is still chugging. He's still chugging. <laughs> he's gosh just, darn it. He's that little energizer bunny. Oh man, Altuve. He is. He's at twenty six at the time of recording, and he is chugging. And it just, you know, I I have gotten over the cheating thing. I think I said this last last week too. There are a lot of people, especially Yankees fans, for some reason. You would think it would just be Dodgers fans. Dodgers fans are just too chill. I think officially, I'm I'm still holding a grudge. Oh, are you still I holding am. a oh, grudge? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yankees fans boo. I mean, he gets booed everywhere, yep. but he really gets yep. booed at Yankee Stadium. But he clearly is a good baseball player. He did a he was participant in a stupid thing one year. But he's at 26 postseason home runs, which is a lot more than just that one year. And he's chasing Manny Ramirez. Oh, big fans on both sides of the table here. Who got some of those with Cleveland and some of those with the Red Sox, for sure, who is the overall postseason home run record with 29. Can I just say, I don't mind when you refer to Jose Altuve as little, (laughs) because he's your people. Right. I'm really annoyed by yeah. every freaking time a That's new true. game starts that the commentators have to refer to his height. Yeah. Like, so we can see how tall he is. Yes, it's oh, this clear. Is, why is this still a thing that we talk about? Yeah. Maybe when he's a rookie and it's unusual that someone of his height has made it this far because that's it is unusual. He is on the shorter side. Right. But are we still talking about it? Right. I mean, again, you get a pass. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'll also, I think it's it's within context. Like, I'm talking about him in the adorable sense. They're talking oh, about cheers. him in the... Hey, if you're new to our podcast, <laughs> we have a drinking game. Whenever Potty Mouth, well, whenever either of us, although it's more likely it's, to be Potty yes. Mouth, uses the word adorable in a sports context, which I say is not a sports word, we drink. So cheers to cheers. that. Cheers. I'm yeah. drinking. This is really good, actually. Yay. Hey, I'm going to um, call back to Nats North that I mentioned at, at our start today. A lot of people around here are rooting for the Phillies because we're kind of seeing them as Nationals North, given mm-hmm. the whole, um, their, their first three batters, right? We got, <laughs> right. you know, Schwarber and um, Trey Turner and, and Bryce Harper. The Washington, All previous Nats. Yeah, Washington Post is basically treating the Phils as our home team right now. That's as, the way their coverage is working. They have more coverage of the Phils than anything else. Interestingly, a friend of mine from work who has Nationals Season tickets is against the Phillies because he's resentful of them mm. being there. But um, but uh, uh, Tom Bosley of the um of the Washington Post wrote this piece saying, you know what? It's better that they did what they did. It's better long term for the Nationals that mm-hmm. those guys are elsewhere. Yeah. And just very briefly, if the Nats had kept Turner and Harper and Soto, right? Yeah. They all kind of sent them all away, kind of yeah. at the same time. Um, the Nats would be like the Angels. 
Mm. Right? You'd have trout, you have Otani, you've got nothing else going on. You're yeah. not getting anywhere and you're stuck because you have these high salary people and you don't have anything else. Um, the, this article pointed out that we would not have been able to sign the free agents that we did that helped us win the 2018 World Series if we had those salaries. We would not have this really kind of incredible base yeah. of young guys who are already proving themselves. Plus, we've got those you know highly ranked prospects because of the the high draft picks that yeah. we got. So in the longer run, it's probably best. I know it's still a bitter pill to swallow, but I'm just going to go ahead and say yay, Nats North. Um, fun fact that's unrelated to that. We were talking before about the wild card format and how mm -hmm. uh, people have a range of, uh, of responses to it. You know, it's a money grab, which it is. It's, you know... It, it, too much time. Too much yeah. time. I saw a completely different take on it, which then I think ends up being a money grab. So Steve <laughs> Forbes of Forbes magazine. So there oh, you have context. Money. It was talking about how, you know, 162 game season, the long season mm -hmm. allows the best teams to largely come out on top. Because if you have a couple of games where your two good guys have great games, you might win a game, but the you know, but your team itself isn't all that great. And mm -hmm. so he's rooting for the he wants every single level of the postseason to be seven games. Really? I'm like, that's a money grab, dude. I, you know, you're trying to sell your point that if you have more games, yeah. then things even out. And you don't have these like weird little, this is a wacky yeah. out of, you know, a game that is not how this team usually plays, but it gets them, you know, farther in the postseason. I'm like, huh. Huh. I, I, hmm. I do read sports in Forbes on occasion, and this just cracked me up. Like, yeah, no, Steve, I, no. Yeah, I, and, you know, I just think about the um, lo long season and extending postseason even more is more potential for injury. Sure like is. injuries, and that, you know, you might have a wonderful team and then a couple of shitty injuries, and it just fucks up your season. So I don't know. It's, what's the magic number for the amount of games somebody can play without hurting themselves yeah and this is like the first time that i've seen anybody go the other way with mm. this question totally. you know it's usually it's like nope cut it down cut it down cut down the number of teams do all this nope nope everybody should play a whole lot more yeah yeah it's all about the money yeah all right speaking of money you want to make some do you want to be the head of baseball operations for the red sox i do not <laughs> i do not <laughs> you know so that's the thing really like who would want this job who would want this job? To be under the the you know spotlight in Boston is not pretty. It's not for the weak it's, of heart. No, no, no. And and go to the Mookie Betts podcast where he interviews JD Martinez and the two of them talk about how they were okay with Boston, like they were okay with the intensity of the fans, but it was a nicer feeling in LA when the fans, you know, the next day were like, "Oh, you know, you lost. We'll just get him next time." And and Boston fans are going to kill you is literally what they said. So, Boston fans are like that. They really had, you know, a wanted to cut Hyam Bloom off and get him out and get somebody else in, but they can't find somebody to take the job at this point. And The Athletic had a hysterical article where they talked about how it's like a New England parlor game of everybody who has said no to the job. So the biggest one is Kim Eng, which I know you'll talk about more, who, you know, that was very exciting and thought it was going to be a, a possibility, but no. Other no's, so people they have directly asked to interview include, I'm going to take a deep breath here and then just read through the list. <gasps> Phillies GM Sam Fold, which, you know, he has a job, so that's understandable. Dodgers GM Brandon Gomes, former Mar Marlins GM and president of baseball operations and current MLB executive Michael Hill. So, you know, you would think he would be interested, but no. 
Former Rangers GM and current Rays advisor John Daniels also, like, you'd think he would want a higher job, but no. Twins president of baseball ops Derek Falvey, D-backs GM Mike Hazen, D-backs assistant GM um, Amiel Sade, and former Blue Jays GM James Click, and that's not all of them, I'm sure. There is a longer list by now. And that came from a couple sources, but mostly from Chris Cotillo of Mass Live. But there were some others that were thrown in from the um, from the athletic article. Um, the, miraculously, there are people who actually have interviewed and are being considered. There are uh, several from the Red Sox organization, a couple of assistant GMs and some others. Sadly for me, I was really pulling for Raquel Ferreira, who has been with the organization for 25 years and now, well, was reporting directly to Chaim Bloom. She's an assistant um, GM, but she turned it down. So I don't know. Oh, so they actually did want to interview her. Yeah. Okay, that's a better story. I thought that that she was being overlooked. I feel better already. No, no, she was not overlooked. She, I, I think she said no before they asked her. I think they were ready to ask her, but she said publicly that she's not interested. So I was lamenting with my dad on the phone the other day about how nobody wants to be president of baseball ops for Red Sox. And dad said... Craig Breslow is a good candidate. And I actually had seen Breslow's name, and I kind of thought that dad would be into him. But then dad follows it up with by saying, he's the Jewish guy who went to Yale. Now, I remember him as a pitcher, and I didn't realize that he pitched for the Sox twice, once in 0607. He got an 07 ring, even though he didn't pitch at all during that season, because he was put on the postseason roster, but not used. So, but he was in minor league most of that season. So he has an 07 ring with the Sox and a 13 ring with the Sox, which he really earned. Also known as just being basically brilliant. Um, So I checked up on dad and sure enough, he went to Yale. Sure enough, he's Jewish. And he, I love that you fact-checked Bob. <laughs> right? That's awesome. I really shouldn't. I think I, I mean, think, he's got the memory. Like, yeah. yeah. Way better than me. Definitely yeah. way better than me. But I, but also, I think I just wanted some more details on it. Um, and there were some just, sort of, like, fun facts. He, with L- Ryan LaVarnway, who I remember as Red Sox catcher in that time, in 2012, was the first. So this is the news that I saw. The first line was the, they were the first all-Yale battery since 1883. Huh. So the pitcher and the catcher both went to Yale. And I thought to myself, well, I know LaVarnway's Jewish, so I need to look at this a little bit and see if they were also the first. I thought maybe they were the first. No, they weren't. They were the sixth out of eight Jewish batteries. But then one famous day, they played against the, I think it was with the Blue Jays when Kevin Pillar was at the Blue Jays. And when he was at bat, it was one of three times in history that the pitcher, the catcher, and the batter have all been Jewish. So I thought that was kind of... There is a stat for everything. Yes, absolutely. There is a stat for everything. Uh, Even better than being on two World Series teams with the Red Sox, he was the 2013 Clemente nominee. And as I was going through much more information that I almost shared with you all today, but you know what? You're going to have to wait until he actually gets hired because Ah. there's so much fun stuff on him. He would be a baseball boyfriend, president of baseball ops for me if... um, if, if we change rules and we're able to do that. But as I was scrolling, scrolling through stuff, and I got to the point where he played for both the Twins and Cleveland, we were doing Immaculate Grid, and I, Mr. Pottymouth and I were both saying, hmm, who do we know? Twins in Cleveland. Like, that was a stretch for us. Oh, Greg Breslow. Put him in 0.2%. That brought our total, like, way down. Very it was nice. Very, very nice. Uh, the last thing about him uh, that impressed Dad 
is, and this is a good sign also, that he worked with Theo Epstein. So Theo Epstein, oh, sure. you know, president of Baseball Ops with the Sox when they broke the curse and then went to the Cubs and did that too. So has a very good record. So for them to work closely together in the Cubs front office, which is where he works now, and he's an assistant GM for the Cubs, you know, it's a good sign. Sure. More later, more later. Um, Gabe Kapler has been interviewed. Uh, go back a couple of weeks to hear about, I think it was a couple of weeks ago that I talked about him being fired from the Giants. So fired from a manager job interviewing for GM. I'm not sure if that it's in. Yeah, makes me a little nervous, yeah, but, yeah. but he was on the 04 team as well, and he's a really smart guy as well. Um, that job now has to be filled, right? The Giants manager job. And the Giants contacted the Red Sox to see if it was okay to interview Jason Veritek, which breaks my heart just a little bit because I really love seeing him in the dugout. And Veritek was catcher for the Red Sox in 04, famously put his glove in A-Rod's face, picture, you know, worth more than a thousand words. Um, they are also interviewing Padres Bob Melvin and oh. ask Padres for permission. It's like it's like when you can ask him permission to date, date your daughter, right? Like, can can I interview your guy for our manager position? It's just like that. Yeah, pretty much. I, I wonder what the rules are for that. Um, you know, this this would be pretty cool for a Veritech to get a, a manager job. <gasps> it I, would. Yeah, I know, but I mean, that's I a promotion. I that's know. a good thing. That's recognizing his worth yeah. more than, hey, you're, you're, it's great for you to hang out in the dugout with us. Right, I almost said like, you guys want to take Cora and we'll keep Veritech? But I don't know. I have very mixed feelings about Cora. I think there's something special about the way he relates to players, and I don't know if Veritek could do that. So I don't know. It's, yeah. So huh, we'll I'm going to drink my beer. There. Hey, let's talk about Kim Ng. I was really surprised until I started reading the backstory that to hear that Kim Ng was no not going to continue on with the Marlins. Yeah. She was not only the first female general manager in MLB, she was the first general ma manager of East Asian descent. It was a big honking deal yeah. when she was brought on by the Marlins. I am surprised they didn't do what it would take to keep her given the whole the, the, the PR thing. And she has a hugely great reputation and she has an excellent track record on the job. This is an ownership thing. I'm going to tell you more about that. So the there was a contract option, a mutual contract option to renew. The Marlins said, yes, please stay on for another year. And she said, well, screw you guys. But she said it much more nicely than that. Yeah, sure. Because what normally would happen to someone who has created so much positive change, she should have by just regular um, wrote been given been offered a three-year contract yep. with a big honking salary bump mm -hmm. because she has proven herself and they didn't get that that was her level of success um and the marlins Ugh. are talking about hiring a, a president of baseball operations which would be above the general manager which would then push her back down on the on the scale on the leadership yeah. scale so like they're they're not rewarding her for her job well done so the official story is that Kim and Kim Ng and the owner, Bruce Sherman, quote, were not completely aligned, end quote, in their visions for the future hmm. of baseball operations. Here are a couple of the things. One is the Marlins are the bottom 10 teams in payroll. Yeah. So they're not willing to pony up for players. Um, Kim wanted to do some more house cleaning with some of the people that were still in positions from before she was hired, who she didn't feel like were doing their jobs like they should. Or weren't like with the times. Huh. They were like, you know, the old, old school, just kind of riding their past successes. And she wanted to make changes. Ownership did not. So she was not being trusted with her opinions and her ideas for how to move forward. 
the athletic article said many sources said that she was being quote stripped of power and underappreciated. <sighs> this is not that different. Remember, Jeter left. He right. was CEO. He That's left. That's what I was thinking. It was, of. it was fewer than two years mm-hmm. ago, and his official statement was differences with the ownership. So there's a pattern yeah, here. And, and and what came out with the Jeter thing was his, he was upset at them not spending money. Yeah. He, he felt like they should be ponying yep. up more money and that they could. Like the thing is they, they could, right? Yeah. They got yep. the money. Yep. So Kim Ang was the first Marlins GM to build a playoff team in a 162-game season since 2003. Shit. They did make the playoffs years. in 2020. But that was that shortened only 60-game yep. season. So that's kind of getting written off as it's not really proving the point. But – she made huge changes. She also changed the culture there a lot, which may frighten some old school, you know, this is how we do baseball. I don't care about you youngins, whatnot. Her statement was, this was a great step forward for the organization. I will miss working with Skip, who's the manager, mm-hmm. and his coaches, who is the manager that she brought on. He was a rookie manager, and he did great with the team. Mm-hmm. Um I'll miss working with Skip and his coaches, as well as all of the dedicated staff in baseball operations and throughout the front office. They're a very talented group, and I wish them great success in the future. There's not a clear next step, but we've talked about there are teams who are looking for presidents of baseball operations, Mm -hmm. who are looking for general managers, looking for other things. I think she's totally going to land on her feet. I think that Major League Baseball would snap her up in a second if she doesn't go to a team. So I'm not worried about where she's going. I'm definitely disappointed in the Marlins for making a bad call in this case. Get with the program. You had this great move you made back in 2020 when you brought her on and you didn't give her the support to make it great. Yeah, I you know, the, the part about Jeter just makes me feel a little bit je- better that it maybe it's not just they're discounting her because she's a woman and like not just discounting her opinions, but you can't help. But I don't know. Oh, I do that think that's a big part in. of it. But yes, but but yeah, but they but 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 uh, she and Jeter definitely had ag- something agreed on the ownership issue with writing the damn checks. Yikes. All right, Marlins, get it together. Um, all right, we're going to go back to Texas. I don't know why I went to Florida and Texas, man. Yeah. Not my favorite places, yeah. but here we are. Back to Texas, um, to the ALCS Game 3 at Rangers, where Ian Kinsler, throughout the first pitch, Ian Kinsler, former baseball boyfriend of mine, I picked him way back in 2018 when he was on the Angels, uh, loved him for, of course, when he was on uh, the, the Red Sox, um, wait, how could he be my Angels pick? He was on the, the Red Sox team in 18. All right, I have my numbers wrong. But I know that he won a ring with the Red Sox. I know I picked him when he was on the Angels. I know he played for Israel in the Olympics in 2020 and got his citizenship at that point in order to do it. And that was the Olympics that baseball got to be in because it was in Japan and Japan got to say, we want baseball. Um, and then he managed Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic. So he threw out the first pitch in Game 3 in an Israel jersey, which he clearly comes by honestly because he played for them for the Olympics and he um, managed the World Baseball Classic. And so, of course, coming out in an Israel jersey with what's going on right now in Israel and the Gaza Strip and Palestine, and now it's spreading into the to the north, into the Golan Heights, um, is a political statement. It's just a political statement. And you're in Texas. And Texas conservatives, I mean, it's it's hard. The conservative wing of politics is a little tricky with the whole Israel thing. In general, they're very much like stand behind Israel. And the 
Um, I am a Jewish American and feeling a lot of stress with what's going on in the Middle East right now with, with my husband's family. It has a lot of family in Israel. Um, I, I can very much uh, empathize, I guess, with, with somebody who has ties to Israel who is saying, I stand with the Israeli people. I mean, there are still people kidnapped. People were killed. It was horrific. What gave me a little bit of pause is that Ian Kinsler, in, in one of the interviews after it, said that he has solidarity with Israel and with the IDF, which is the Israeli Defense Force. So that's the, the army that's doing things like leafletting the people in Gaza and telling a, a million people to move from the north to the south in a day or you're going to be bombed. Um, things like cutting off water and electricity to two million people. It's um, it's really horrific. You know, I feel I feel horrified and wish I could do more. So here I am speaking to you all who care about baseball in this microphone about what Israel's doing against the Palestinian people. And it's you know, that's more than an eye for an eye. And you can empathize with both kinds of people being killed and still be Jewish and still say no to anti-Semitism, which is going to be my next next little bit. But um a lot of conversation about the Ian Kinsler first pitch and a lot of people saying, oh, it wasn't political. Come on. He's just wearing that that jersey because he managed Team Israel. Well, he's wearing the jersey, you know, now. So, <sighs> yeah, I, I want to um, while you catch your breath, mm -hmm. I just want to insert that we are not shut up and dribble people. Yeah, we believe that baseball players are humans with a whole range of their you know of of opinions and their livelihood and what they believe in and all of that we endorse your right to speak out yes. and your beliefs we do not have to agree with you exactly that's where we're at that's a really good point and just and i think i, I skipped over that kinsler actually is is a former ranger which is why he was doing this and currently special assistant to the gm of the rangers so that's how he got his um his uh, his stage, his ability is to, to speak out on this. Um, but he isn't the only one. So on this past Thursday, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes, there was um, an, an impressive yet still a little unsettling to me <laughs> uh, video post on Twitter by Israel Baseball, Israel Baseball. And it was um, against anti-Semitism and pro-Israel. So it was a bunch of 20, I counted them, and I hope I counted right, past and present, MLB. Some of them I think were just minor league players, I didn't look everybody up, um, who made this video against anti-Semitism and pro-Israel. But the way that they did it, it was just really interesting. It just gave me pause because they focused on the anti-Semitism, which is a serious problem and something that affects all of us who are Jewish. And it is separate from being pro-Israel. Exactly. They are exactly. not the same thing. Exactly. And it's an unfortunate, like, even if we don't support what the Israeli government's doing, and I think this, you know, ends up with a lot more people saying, I stand with Israel than maybe would, is because you get that backlash. Regardless, you're going to get the anti-Semitism is going to affect all of us. Um, it's very powerful the way they did it. Well, well edited. It starts off with Kevin Euclid in a kippah, which is, you know, he has not any hair. And for him, to, the kippah is very apparent. When you have no hair, it's really clear that you're wearing that. 
So he's the first one, and they all go very rapid fire saying, my name is, and I won't name them all, but Ryan Braun, Brad Osmus, Garrett Stubbs, currently backup catcher for the Phillies, whose dad apparently buys you a beer if you wear his jersey. So if you have a Stubbs jersey, wear it at, at a Philly stadium and get seen by his dad. So nice guy, Ty Keller and Ian Kisler. So the first thing they do is rapid fire say, I am a Jew. So it's like, I am a Jew. I am a Jew. And you're seeing all your, these baseball faces that you know. And representation is good. Yep. Very powerful. Very powerful. And then Zach Weiss, uh, Angels pitcher, starts the statement and says, for years, you have supported us on the field. And then Alex Bregman finishes the sentence and says, but now it's time to support all of us and stand up against anti-Semitism. So that's the first focus is like, okay, your favorite baseball players are being recipients of the anti-Semitism that's happening because we're public figures and shit happens to public figures. So of course that's gonna, you know, that gives you the first like, okay, like I'm behind these guys and it repeats and then Osmus adds and support Israel. And so the chorus that they have at the end, the phrase is stand up against anti-Semitism, stand with Israel. So stand with Israel means, I don't know, I I feel like for me, it means standing with Israeli people who are all also going through a really horrible situation. Hopefully it, you know, doesn't mean being okay with leaving 2 million people without water and electricity. So at this point, at the time of recording, I mean, I'm really, really hoping something even more horrible hasn't happened by the time you hear this, because the US and the UN are pressing for humanitarian assistance to get through, to get into Gaza. It might happen tomorrow, who knows? I saw an article in the Post today that said 42% of the housing in the Gaza Strip has been demolished. Jesus. Can you even imagine? No. No, it's horrifying. I can't. That's horrifying. Right. And and, and it's that, also horrifying I, mm. that, that there are Jewish hostages still. And I, I see the people's posts on that. And that is, yes, horrifying as well. But, oh. And it does lead me to wonder if the players who were in this video or speaking up understand the larger context. Yeah. Or if they do think those two things being, you know, like support, you know, the anti-Semitism mm-hmm. message and standing with Israel are one and the same. Right. I I hope that they, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what I hope, but I don't either. those things are not the same. Yeah. Those things are not the same. Again, we support your, um, your, your, your voice, mm-hmm. but we don't agree with you. Right. And that's okay. And I just, I want to please educate yourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then that's for all of you. I mean, read up. Yeah. Read up. And then, and you'll see where we're coming from here. Police blotter. <laughs> Great segue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brian Abreu. So we've only had one bench clearing kerfuffle so far in the postseason. Um, there was not a brawl. There were no punches thrown. Uh, Houston, uh, the... So Brian Abreu is a relief pitcher for Houston. He received a two-game suspension and a fine of an undisclosed amount for uh, hitting um, Adelise Garcia with a 99-mile-per-hour fastball in the eighth inning of Game 5. Bench is cleared. Um, Abreu was um, was tossed. Garcia was tossed for, quote, being the aggressor because he did turn around and, like, start mouthing off to, um, to the catcher to Maldonado right away. Dusty was ejected. Um, all of them were also fined. Dusty was ejected because he, uh, well, he was fined because after he was ejected, he wouldn't leave the dugout. And so we cannot continue <laughs> the game until you leave the dugout. Rangers pitcher Matt Bush and Astros pitcher Lance McCullers, Sparkles, were also fined. They were not on the rosters. They were there, but they weren't on the rosters. 
I don't know why they were fine. I couldn't find huh. any. I don't know why they were fine. They were fine on Saturday and are prohibited from sitting on their team's benches for the rest of the series, which may just be, you know, one game or well. two games. But there you have it. So Garcia had hit a three-run home run in the sixth. And he celebrated, and good for him. It was a big honking deal. And even Abreu afterwards said, go ahead and celebrate. I don't have anything against that, because Abreu was saying, I threw a bad pitch. Yeah. You know, he was saying was not intentional, but he did hit him on the first pitch of his next at bat, which is suspect, because if one was going to retaliate, that's how you would do it. Major League Baseball put out a statement on Saturday saying all six of the major league umpires deemed a Braves pitch to have been intentional. Wow. They decided that it was. The situation, they had already had a man on base. Yep. It was a two-run game. I can't see what what Houston would have had to gain right. by doing that on purpose, but it sure was a solid hit-by-pitch. So it, out of context, I think I would have said intentional, but within mm-hmm. context, like, that would be stupid. Yeah. That would be a stupid thing to do. The league said it took in account the dangerous nature of the pitch and its potential impact on player safety. 99-mile-per-hour yeah. fastball. So I get that. Yeah, but like any that. pitch. Like it hit right. him in the upper shoulder, which is – or like upper backy kind of shouldery thing. Interestingly, Bruce Bochy was more pissed that it took 12 minutes <laughs> to sort everything out because he feels like that messed with his closer who then gave up that home run to, to yeah. Jose Altuve. Well, and, but 12, he didn't do well the night before No, either. he didn't. He did not. But 12 minutes is a long time yeah. to sort this stuff out. Dusty Baker said, yeah, there's likely to be carryovers. So he's saying, he's implying that there's a grudge. Yeah. And you may see more of this. And he was pressed on that. And he's like, we'll just have to see. Ooh. Old school Dusty, man. I yeah. mean, I don't know. Like, he's not saying, oh, we should nip this in the bud. He's like, yeah, it's going to it's gonna be carryover. Oof. Um, so I'm a little ex- interested in seeing what happens. Uh, word has it that Abreu was appealed um, at the time of recording. I haven't seen any answer to that. So appealing means your suspension doesn't start right away, which means he would be eligible to pitch tonight mm-hmm. and in a game seven if there's a game seven. If he appeals and doesn't win the appeal and the and Houston moves on he would not be eligible for the first two games of the world series because it's a two game suspension so that would just boot that down the road so it's an interesting call to decide do you take it now or do you hope for the best and or do you then have a problem for your team in the World Series. So that's where we're at. So I'm looking forward to sitting down with a bowl of soup and some homemade bread with a potty mouse <laughs> and seeing if there is, um, oh, I don't know, um, any carryover. Right. So but I was just thinking that, like, you all know more You'll know. than we do. Yep. Like, maybe there has been. Maybe yeah. there isn't. I don't know. Maybe Dusty had a chill night and had his cigar and a glass of rosé or something. I don't know. So um, I, I just want to say once again, you heard it here first. If you've been listening to us a few weeks ago, I think it was like a month ago that mm-hmm. I went into a very deep dive on um, Bruce Dar Gratterall's family situation because his mom had been able to co- finally come and see him play and they had been separated for seven years. Well, another article came out this week in The Reason. And the the title of the article, this is just the title, I swear to God, not the first paragraph. The title is, A Philadelphia Phillies player's family is getting screwed by the immigration system, colon. If multimillionaire Jose Alvarado can't figure out how to get his family here, what hope do other Venezuelan migrants have? End quote. 
which is pretty much what I said a few weeks ago when we were talking about Brewster Gradwell and why his mom wasn't able to get here for seven years. So in the um, Alvarado case, who, and we've been, he's been amazing doing well in, in the, for the Phillies in these past few games that we've seen. He um, has means, right? So he paid for his mother and his two kids to go to Colombia and then to Brazil. So we talked about, or I talked about a few weeks ago, how you, the Venezuelan embassy is closed. So they cannot apply, you can't apply for a visa to even travel to the United States, let alone any sort of, of immigrant visa without leaving Venezuela, which is hard. But if you have money and you can pay for airfare. So he paid twice for his family first to go to Colombia and were, be rejected and then to go to Brazil and be rejected. They were denied both times. So the other way that Venezuelans are getting here in complete desperation is by foot, which is shocking. And I looked oh. back. And so I think we recorded this at the end of September because it was right when the Biden administration extended temporary protected status to Venezuelans at the end of September, which meant you can stay here. It's not an official immigration status, but we're not going to kick you out. So right before that, in the month of September, a quarter of the 200,000 illegal crossings, the Mexican border, were Venezuelan. 50,000 crossings. Right. And so, and the Venezuelans have double hell to get through because the, the way from Venezuela into the Central American Pen Peninsula, that's the right word, right? Um, <laughs> sure. Sure. We'll go with that. Now, is it? Uh, anyway, the, the thing that connects South America to North America, is it an isthmus? I'm, I'm, I'm hurting on my vocabulary. Don't worry. The corrections department it will set us straight. Okay, folks, help me with this. Moving anyway, on. to get from South America to Central America, there's the Darien Gap, which is supposed to be not crossable. It's just jungle and not safe. And these Venezuelans are somehow yeah, crossing 50, it. 50,000 yeah, of them. In some of them are making that. In September. That was just September. That was just September. So things are super bad in Venezuela. And again, go back a few weeks to hear all the details. But one thing that I didn't mention is another option to help Venezuela out of this horrible economic crisis, which creates all the crime. You know, if you have a horrible economic crisis and a lot of pottery, crime is going to lift, would be to lift the sanctions. So the United States has had sanctions in place against Venezuela for 17 years. And this is sort of like the sanction situation against Cuba, too, which forces the country to be creative and where they get stuff because the United States controls so much of trade. And especially where you're talking about Venezuelan used to be um, exporting a shit ton of oil to the United States, which they no longer can do because uh. of this. And apparently under the Trump administration, no shocker, the, the sanctions were extended and expanded so that they covered more sure. stuff. So just this past February, the GAO, the Government Accountability Office report, found that U.S. sanctions had worsened Venezuela's economic decline and hindered humanitarian aid delivery. That cannot be the goal of those sanctions. Right. And yet that is the probably most important effect. So exactly. And, and that's that's the thing about sanctions is like, who are you really hurting? The people at the bottom. So for everybody who still has heartstrings for any baseball player who is separated from their family in Venezuela, please do a little bit of looking into U.S. foreign policy and vote. <laughs> 
Look you know? at potty mouth making you there learn stuff. We go. But my inter- international relations uh, degree is is coming out through baseball. You got one of those? It's hysterical. Yeah, I do. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's my undergrad. Awesome. I, why did I not <laughs> know that? That's me. I wow, are. I learned something new so, today. Oh, dad's calling. All right, dad, I'm going to call you back later. First, <laughs> <laughs> that isn't the corrections department checking in already, no, is it? It would be pretty funny if I answered a phone call from dad in the middle of the podcast, but I guess that's going to happen another time. <laughs> so we're going to go into the DR as I move the vibrating phone <laughs> off the table with the microphone. Oh. We're going to go to the DR. Uh, lead on, the Dominican League has begun. Opening day was just the other day, and there were some mil- there was a familiar face on opening day. A couple, actually. Several. So, Fernando Rodney, bless him, 46 years old, energized. You talking to Energizer Bunny? This guy. How have I not dropped him into an immaculate grid box oh. yet? Drop him. So he here's his immaculate grid. I was going to do – here's his tip. So he played oh my for God. the Tigers, the Angels, the Rays, the Mariners, the Cubs, the Padres, the Marlins, the D-backs, the Twins, the A's, and the Nationals. Save Fernando Damn. Rodney for your immaculate grid. When it goes international, he also swapped teams in lead-on because he used to be with my beloved um, Leones del Escogido. Last year was his second year with the Gigantes after 10 with Escogido, and he had 12 saves, including four in the postseason. Now, that's when he was 45 years old. 45-year-old closer. Holy shit. There, there's hope for us. Oh, wait a minute. We are no. – we're older than that. But he, he also, like, he works out in the off – now his, I don't know, limited offseason that he has. I, he – takes care of himself and it's paying off. Speaking of guys who take care of themselves and pay off, pay off, pays off. Uh, I'm really ending my beer here. Nelson Cruz, another super favorite old guy of ours and a baseball boyfriend of yours, former baseball boyfriend of yours. He is doing a farewell tour this year. Also with the Gigantes. So I didn't realize that Nelson Cruz was connected with the Gigantes de Cibao and that he way back debuted in Lidom in 2001. Sure he did. When the team was not called the Gigantes de Cibao, their their former name, oh, this no. cracks me out, was Pollos Nacionales. Wait, wait, wait. I don't speak Spanish, but that sounds like National Chickens. It is National Chickens. <laughs> so Nelson Cruz played for the National Chickens in 2001. Oh, good Lord. And then straight. I want cup- that jersey so much. Oh, we should look for that on eBay. That must exist. That must exist. N- Nelson Cruz, National Pollos Chickens. Nacionales. Maybe we have to we have to get to the obvious shirts, friends. That would be so good. <laughs> he played uh, like I think it's eight solid. Se- no, that's not eight nine minus four. That's five solid seasons with them. But then also some for a bunch of seasons after that through twelve and thirteen. He actually dipped back in and played with them when they hit the round robin phase in sixteen and seventeen. But this year he's doing a real farewell tour, so he's not playing with the team the whole season. But he will be with them. For one game in each stadium oh, in the wow. DR, so that fans all over the country can say goodbye to the the you know King Nelson Cruz, who we all adore. So that's very cool. Um, last lead-on thing is Fernando Tatis Jr. throughout the first pitch, hugely celebrated again with the Leones versus Tigres game, but he was playing wearing his Estrellas Orientales gear. He was a key player for the Estrellas. His dad is currently the manager and was the manager then. 
There was a period of time where there was a, a break, and that's why I left the Estrellas and went to Leonis, and you just can't, like, turn back. But I have all good feelings about the Estrellas Orientales, and that was when I picked Fernando Tatis Jr. to be my boyfriend before he debuted in MLB because he had been part of this incredible team with the Estrellas in uh, 2018 to 19 that got them the championship for the first time in like 50 years with his dad managing and it was just such a beautiful thing. So that is why I picked Tatis and he is still a hometown hero despite his um, various problems in the recent past. Uh, speaking of the DR. And problems. Yeah, and in problems. In the recent past. Holy shit, the Dominican Academies, I didn't realize this. This this came to a big light this past week, but it's been an ongoing thing that the baseball academies and the DR get robbed. So these are academies that are run by MLB franchises right. in the Dominican Republic, so they can attract young players and train them up and then hopefully draft them. Yeah. And and from the way it seems, I'm wondering if some of the recent draft people get there for for some extra um playing time or preparation because it's, it just kind of tracks with the robbery. So it seems like it's getting worse. This past Tuesday in the early morning, the Tigers facility in San Pedro de Marcoris, which is is famously actually the home of a lot a lot of Dominican players are from San Pedro. Um, it said that that a bunch of delinquents uh, broke in, um, stole guns from the security officers on their way in, took players and staff by gunpoint and stole their phones, playstations, which I thought was an interesting thing to point out, money, clothes, and more stuff in the middle of the night. One Holy guy has been arrested crap. and four others are under investigation. So that's the Tigers facility this past Tuesday. So that's what makes me think that it can't just be local guys. It's got to be somebody who's had a signing bonus and would have a PlayStation. Um, but that was the second attack this week. So last Friday, the Cardinals um, facility in Boca Chica, which means the little mouth, um, also in the in the early morning, 3 to 4 a.m., same sort of thing, took took out the staff and players by gunpoint and robbed them, got $6,000, um, plus took a variety of things. So th- a- after that happened, the director of national police and the director of the Office of Criminal Investigations of the DR went to the Cardinals facility to sort of, you know, make a statement, we're here, we're checking this out. But ironically, it was on the same day that the Tigers facility ended up getting robbed. So apparently also really disturbing. It's super disturbing. The Marlins and the Guardians also recently, like within the past year, were robbed and I couldn't find those articles. But when I did try finding articles, I found articles from last fall. I don't know if October is like a magic time, but the Orioles facility was robbed last fall, along with the Rangers, the Pirates, the Cubs and the Giants. And then, like, I was just trying to find more stuff, and I'm sure I'm not sure when it happened, but the Red Sox, Mets, Mariners, and Twins facilities also all been robbed. It seems like it's amping up. It seems like the early robberies were for equipment to be resold, and now there's the arms involved and the robbing players of their personal stuff or staff of their stuff. But I don't know how long this can continue without being big news and you gotta believe that these franchises can afford to update their security and you know lock down their their facilities better wow this is really kind of stunning right or 
in, as if we go back to like the big picture, invest in Dominican. Like I'm, I know that a lot of former players are investing in the the places that they came from, you know, their hometowns and stuff like that. But I think, um, you know, for this kind of crime to be out there, there there are problems. You know, there's oh, clearly sure. problems. So so why not MLB sponsor a lot more, you know, positive Dominican development stuff. Yep. Yep. No, I mean, absolutely. I'm guessing these are like walled in complexes with, you know, I just I don't, don't know. know. Scary shit. That that really is. And I guess my other question is, how does that crime, is that different than the sort of general crime in those areas? Right. Like are other businesses right. in the areas where these academies are located experiencing the same level of crime? Right. Or is it really that they're targeting these academies? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I just think back. I crime like when big poppy was shot in the dr last yeah. year like shit's yeah. happened yes scary for sure hey do you want a happy thing yes let's end on a happy note thank you i've like brought so much down i'm not usually the debbie downer here are you implying that i am no you're not the debbie downer we're, we're usually yes. not debbie I, I, or downers. Wait, wait what, what is the helpful patty thing oh you're the um problem solving problem solving patty. patty yeah that's actually a thing <laughs> Yes. It's actually a thing. From a training I From had a to training. suffer this yes. week. So I apparently am problem solving Patty and yeah. I live on the second floor of a <laughs> mythical house <laughs> right. in a training um, yeah, module brain. that you did. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, let's talk about PitchCom for a second. Uh, we are often seeing pitchers take their caps off, trying to like shake their PitchComs to get them to work. Turns out that Sometimes that gets fouled up when they have their hands and hats checked for sticky stuff because things get dislodged, oh. and that's one of the things that can affect that. Sometimes it's just, I just want to, like, kill some time. I don't know. But I think I want to be a pitch combo voice. <laughs> you would be so good at that. Wouldn't I be good at you that? You would be great. There are, this is like ways, right? There are standard voices. Right. And then you can pick other voices, but you can also record your own, which is, of course, better than ways right here. So some teams, like their bullpen coach is the voice that they hear. A lot of times huh. it's the catcher. Sometimes it's a, pro, a professional like voiceover person, which is like the stock <laughs> stuff. But like for the Phillies, um, JT Romanto does the English messages on Pitchcom, and they use their interpreter, the team interpreter, to do the Spanish language okay. prompts via Pitchcom. Josh Hader? Oh, nice face. Fine <laughs> enough made the appropriate, I said the name Josh Hader out loud face. He recorded his own damn voice. Of course he did. Right? So everybody else on the Padres hears Austin Nola, but Josh Hader hears himself, and he had this whole paragraph. He listens to himself? Yeah. He reco- not so recording like, for the catcher, recording for himself. Right, yeah. So when the catcher oh. says fastball inside or whatever, he hears his own voice because apparently, you know, he's, he's got this internal conversation happening all the time. I wish he would say better things to himself. Yeah, I, I bet he wants to take credit for everything. So, let, oh, I thought of that. I'm going to throw that fastball was me. now. Yeah. That was me. So there's actually a library out there that... Um, <laughs> Pitchcom library? There's a Pitchcom library because a lot of... There, there, there are teams who said, hey, you know what? This team that we're playing has a lot of bunts. So we need to be ready for that. So can we record these things? Huh. So we have... so. You can also record things that aren't really instructions. And Austin Hedges, who was my boyfriend <laughs> in San Diego in 2018, recorded a fuck yeah. Oh, that's track. awesome. So I he could like it. reward his pitcher. That's and that so cool. went into the library. And that is used by so many teams that when Hedges got traded to the Rangers, the fuck yeah that he recorded was there before he was. That's so they cool. They were already using his voice. <laughs> For that. 
<laughs> that is there's amazing. also a like hit it over the plate mm, you know and they the the article like bleeped out what the hit it over the plate blah, 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 was so i can't even presume to guess right. what the answer to that was. So, yeah, so you can um, apparently have all these little quiet conversations. To, awesome. They're just from, like, wrists to ears with nothing else. But I thought <laughs> you would appreciate Austin Hedges and surprising everyone. He was my boyfriend and not yours. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, I was thinking, I don't know which game we were watching where they were, like, whacking it on their leg. Like, let's yeah, just it's like, just kick it. Like, <laughs> kick the tires of the right. pitch come. We'll see. That'll make it work. Yeah, no, that was last night. That was the, 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 the Phillies-Diamondbacks game. Yeah, they were, like, shaking it. Yeah. It's like, oh, we finally got it to work. And the catcher is right. like shaking. I'm like, okay, you just made it not work. <laughs> Whatever you did there. But there is a library. And I think, you know, you're going to be an interpreter for a baseball team or teach, you know, Im- immigrant players. You're going to teach English to people who that's not their first language. And I just want to be the voice in there. I was going to say, you're going to be the Pitchcom librarian. Oh, perfect. <laughs> that would be great. Perfect. Oh, I like it. I like it. Well, until that's a thing, we've got like a week's <laughs> worth of game sixes for sure. Maybe some game sevens. And then the World Wait, Series starts on Friday. Games game six. six. I said it right earlier yeah, that I've been drinking. That's at the so, end of the beer. Yeah. So we've got like games six starting tonight and tomorrow. You will already know the answer to, to what happened there if, and if there's a game with our games seven look at you making sure i said it right i appreciate that english teacher in me yeah no i appreciate (laughs) you i absolutely appreciate you and then the world series starts on friday so these are the things that i'm doing this week in my in my evening hours absolutely what do you got Ditto, ditto. Yeah. yeah, more baseball as much. You know, it, it gets to this point of the year where you're like just suck, sucking up every ounce of baseball that's left. You know, you yeah. know that it's limited and yeah. you just want to see it all. So it's like, I don't, you know, I, I don't want either Texas team to win, but I sure do want to watch it in yes. your basement on the big screen and, and eat snacks at your house. Sure. Yep. I love that. I love that. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. We hope you're doing the same. We hope that you're communicating with us about things that make you happy and things that you want to correct about what we're up to. So Potty Mouth, where can people find us? So find us on, how the fuck it's called, X, Twitter, uh, NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, our no crime. Can we just call it fuck yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I don't know if you can Google that. You could Google that, but it just would come up with a whole shit ton of weird answers. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at no crying and be ball you can uh email us the old-fashioned way at ncibpodcast at gmail.com and you can always throw us your spare change anything you find in your like glove compartment whatever at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash no crying and b-ball and you will find us oh no it's slash ncib podcast on patreon yep it sure is shit yep okay i bet i bet you if you go on patreon and you look for no crying in baseball that would be us yeah we've been drinking and there's like there's a game six tonight and so we can't be trusted but boy the denizens beer was good yeah i'm just saying hey so get your booster it's time and it's available get your booster probably also your flu shot Mm -hmm. fight the man it's the right thing to do and let's if only the diamondbacks weren't scabs and send your games ball game balls whoa to meredith (laughs) And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. It's, there's like an echo on my voice. Do you need to stop talking in the last half hour? <laughs> that Is that how we do it? Maybe you did the first half hour. I did the second half hour. We have no interaction whatsoever. And we that, kind of lose the whole back and forth thing, but then we also lose the echo. Recipe, right. And we lose all our listeners. <laughs> there's so much.